Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Change of Heart is an iconic underground Canadian rock and roll band based in Toronto, Ontario. Formed in 1982, Change of Heart initially consisted of singer-guitarist Ian Blurton, bassist Rob Taylor, keyboardist Bernard Meza, and drummer Ron Duffy. By the time Change of Heart disbanded in 1997, Blurton and Meza were the sole original members left in the group. A rather different 13-person version of Change of Heart entered Reaction Studio in early January of 1992 to record the album Smile, which would come to be regarded as a landmark effort in Toronto music history. To celebrate the 25th anniversary of the record's release, Label Obscura is reissuing a remastered, double vinyl, limited edition of Smile, which has prompted Change of Heart to reconvene for shows, including one in Toronto at the Horseshoe on July 22, 2017, and upcoming dates in Waterloo, London, Kingston, and Ottawa in September, and shows in Calgary and Edmonton in October. I recently traveled to Change of Hearts practice space in Toronto to meet with Michael Armstrong, Glenn Milcham, Rob Taylor, Bernard Meza, and Ian Blurton to discuss the history of their band, the album Smile, what Toronto was really like in the early 1990s, and other stuff too. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, this is Change of Heart on the 334th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vishkana.
Guys, we should actually, because people are going to be listening to this, I need everyone to introduce themselves by name and identify, just so people can understand everyone's voice, you know, I appreciate, you know, figure out people's voices. So I'm Vish. They know me, so that's fine. I'm the host of the show. If they don't know me, that would be weird. But I'm Vish. Nice to see all of you. Why don't we start over here? Michael. Michael? Percussionist. Percussionist. You were just tuning your congas? <laughs> I was tuning my congas. I got to go tune my congas is what you said to me. That's like the last sentence you said to me. No one's ever said to me before. Exactly. <laughs> it's nice to nice to have you here, Michael. And you, sir? I'm uh, Glenn Milcham. I play drums. Glenn, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Rob Taylor, bass player. Hi, Rob. We we've talked a lot already. We've I been talking like about stories. We've been telling stories. It's been <laughs> nice. Nice to see you, Rob. And you? Bernard Meza, keyboards. Hi, Bernard. How are you? Pretty good. Haven't seen you in a while. I know. How you been? Oh, pretty good. Who's this? Oscar, my baby dog. How old? <laughs> how old is Oscar? He's an, he's an old guy. He's getting on 12. 12. Well, he looks good. He looks happy. Yep. And you, sir? Ian. Hi, Ian. How Hi. are you? Great. How are you? What do you do? I play guitar, and I sing. And you sing. So, he has found something in my bag. Uh-oh. Do you have food in your bag? Oscar, get out of there. What are you doing? If you ever had food in your bag, then yeah. It's, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I probably had a granola bar in there or something. So when did this uh, thing start in terms of reconvening uh, this iteration of Change of Heart? Do you remember? It's We're in mid-June in the year 2017. When did you guys get back together, so to speak? Uh, physically, about five weeks ago. I guess conceptually, like, what, September? No, I was, so. Yeah. September. So five weeks of practicing? Yep. Weekly basis? Yep. Once a week, yeah. Once a week. How's it going? It's Great. Sounding pretty good? Mm-hmm. Happy muscle memory, or did you spend time with... 25 years is a long time, even for muscle memory. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you yeah. didn't come in just being like, I didn't listen to a thing, but I'm ready to go? Oh, we. I, I speaking for myself, I certainly listened a lot. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, I, I, was, I, I didn't come in ready to go. I, I mean, you know, I, I did a lot of... I personally listened to a lot, did a lot of preparation, because like I say, 25 years is a long time. Yeah. And these songs are not simple. Some of them are simple. Most of them aren't, right. so they they require a fair bit of attention and getting reacquainted. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. What about uh, what about you, Bernard? I haven't really listened to the record in quite a long time, so it was pretty pretty fresh when I heard it uh, a few months ago. And uh, you dropped the line "muscle memory," which was I really found uh, I like some of the songs I couldn't remember at all. Mm. But as soon as I went to the keyboards, it's like my fingers could remember kind of <laughs> the movements. Yeah, right? yeah. And, it, and so it didn't take that long for it to come back. It's interesting when your own body fools your mind in a weird way. You're like, how did I, what did I do? I can't remember what I did. Exactly. So it was pretty interesting to go through that experience. Did you have the thing, any of you have the thing where like you, you figured out what you did and you're like, why the hell would I have done that? Yes. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> even make any sense. Why yeah. Like... But you know, I think we're trying to incorporate some of that like I don't think we're doing it like uh, we're not trying to do it note for note right. so you know I think we're trying to like, to add everything we've learned in the 25 years since I'm glad to hear mix. that you've learned something in 25 years well it'd be sad <laughs> <A little. laughs> Rob have you been playing uh, have you been playing music this entire time uh, uh, a little bit but not as much as when I was in Change Heart that's for sure yeah uh, I was in Mercury Men for a while right and another band called Bad Sister but not at all the intensity uh, of Change of Heart. When did you leave Change of Heart? It was in 93, and after I'll... Smile. We'd done a couple of tours on that, and we'd done demos for the Tummy Suckle and written a bunch of songs, but I hadn't really, um, I didn't record on that album. Right. So. And how long were you in that band? 
before you're, you left in Change of Heart? Oh, uh, 11, 12 years. So you'd been in the band so 12 years. So Ian and I started the band in 1982. So right. almost 12 years. Right. Ian, that must have been difficult <laughs> to lose <laughs> Rob at that point. Yeah, it was. It must have been yeah, a tough of one. It was. Yeah. And so who? this is your idea, Ian, I presume, to what? get everyone back together to No, celebrate. actually, uh, it was Tim uh, from uh, Label Obscure. Tim Lidster. Yeah, he kind of like just put the whole thing in motion. Really? About just About reissuing the record and then doing, a, you know, then the idea obviously came up of doing a show. This isn't the first time Change of Heart have kind of reconvened, no, right? No, this is like the third. Third time? Yeah. But why, but it was just, this is because Smile is 25. Yeah, but also because he's reissuing the record right. and the record never got, you know, put out on vinyl and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the experience like revisiting the record for you? I'm sick of listening to it personally. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> you've had to what, do some remixing? and No, uh, Michael re-edited it and uh, remastered it and then Joe worked on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just listening to it over and over again. So there's the thing where, you know, it's a piece of work, it's a thing you guys made together, uh, but, you know, 25 years, looking back on something like that, that's got to be emotional. That's got to be, that gotta, that's got to be, trans, it must transport you back to that time. What have you, what, what kinds of thoughts have you had about making Smile and, and your, I guess you were all, what, in your 20s probably? Uh, maybe yep. I'm being generous. <laughs> I have no idea. Late <laughs> 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 20s. Yeah. But uh, have you... Our mid to late 20s. Mid to late, mid to late 20s. Uh, you know, that time in Toronto, I assume, was far different than the Toronto we know today. Do you have any recollections of what it was like back then? It was lonely. <laughs> Toronto was lonely? Uh, well, being in a band. I mean, in the sense that, uh, I don't know, like, you know, people talk about the scene or whatever. I don't really remember... I mean, we knew lots of other bands and played with lots of other bands, but it also felt kind of isolated in a sense. I don't know. That was my experience anyway. Uh, um, were you just in Change of Heart? I mean, you were you were, you weren't actually oh in man. the band at that point. Yeah, was, my right? timeline is really confusing. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's one of the originals, and then out, and then back in, and then. Yeah. Oh, were you in the, in the original iteration of the band? Well, yeah. But well, like not, the well, second one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Sure. Second yeah, original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember. Ian asked me to join, and we were both in high school. I'm going down that road. Yeah. <laughs> were you in the same high school? Yeah. Oh, okay. So was Bernard. Bernard. Yeah. High school friends. This is romantic. Yeah. And nice and sentimental. <laughs> Rob lived on the same street. When I moved to Toronto, I moved on the street that Ian lived on. Okay. I met him. I was a little bit older than him, but. Uh, so know, you're all childhood friends, and... really. Pretty I mean, much, most yeah. of you, yeah. Kind of most of not me, but every, I think everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> we but became you, adult friends. We became adult well, friends. Yeah, we've known well, since we you back in the day. Young adults. Since young adult, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have first met you guys. I first, I think it was nineteen, the first time I heard Change of Heart. So, what, what was the context? Well, actually, the context was I was at the record peddler. I was just telling you the story a couple of weeks ago, but I was at the record peddler uh, buying some records. Uh, that was like the cool record store, and this this was this would have been like probably probably eighty two or eighty three, and I lived in Oakville at the time. And I bumped into Rob Taylor, bass yeah. player, and the man. I guess he was your manager, yeah, Scratch, Scratch manager. Anderson. And uh, they came up to me. I know we just started talking, and and they gave me a cassette, a compilation cassette called "Arming the Hand," which had uh, two or three Change of Heart songs on, and some solo stuff for Bernards, and some things that Scratch did. And I took it home and listened to it, and I remember really liking the Change of Heart stuff, and thinking, "Oh, Change of Heart are good. They sound like Echo and the Bunnymen. That's cool." Hmm. So, uh, 
So I, I and uh, and then I started. Then I moved to Toronto, started playing in a lot of bands, and just uh, knew these guys from the Beverly. And there was a time shortly before we made this record when Ian and Bernard were my next door neighbors. And see, my experience of the record is really different because I joined the band. Uh, I was in a lot of bands, and then Ian called me right before they made the record because the previous drummer Ron Duffy left. And they needed a drummer, so he basically called me and said, you want to do this record? Mm -hmm. And I said, sure. And then very shortly after that, I got a call from Blue Rodeo to come and do their record and stuff. So, my, so once I became a member of Blue Rodeo, it was kind of going to be apparent that my time in Change of Heart was going to be short because I was going to start having these commitments with Blue Rodeo. And I make my living as a musician, so I didn't, you know, that's where I was going to go. Right. But it was super, like, it was really special for me because, like, you know, I was making a record with these guys, and there was all these people. It was live off the floor. I, was, I don't know how many people at one time, like 12 13, people. 13, I think, at one point. 13. So we had horn players like Something. Ernie Toller and Michael White. I played with Ernie before uh, many times. Uh, Ann Bourne was playing cello. I, I, I knew Ann. I ended up having a child with Ann, like about six or seven years later. Congratulations. And thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little yeah. late, but yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Better late than never. And, uh, yeah, and, I, and you know, John Boras, and, uh, who I've subsequently played in ba uh, bands with and have been playing with in Groovy Religion and played with him for years. And, like, the, uh, all these people that I Don had Kerr, a connection Catherine with. Don Rose. Kerr. Yeah, Catherine Rose. So all these people. Alistair that, Jones. Yeah, Alistair Ron Jones Anisich. was there, who I just bumped into. Ron Anisich, who I grew up around the corner from. Yeah. So it was a real community experience yeah. for me. And I, when I play it, I actually, it really does take me back, and I kind of feel really emotional when I play some of these songs. Well, that's that's what I want to get at a little bit, because yeah. there is a narrative about Smile that it was really an expression of community. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that iteration of Change Your Heart, that those people in that session were really representative of they were it was a friendship right it was like a, a gang of people like were you very close with everyone on that record no no actually ernie and michael no not at all but you brought them in because they were playing they were amazing, saxophone yeah. and trumpet i yeah. see <laughs> i see okay yeah but was it I mean, when you say too. community that's also like you know like that element of the smaller when toronto was smaller where it would be like you know the jazz people would know the rock people and yeah blah 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 and the theater people would know the there was more commingling yeah more were uh, you trying cross to, pollination right. going on you know <laughs> were you trying to do some kind of outreach that way of, of, of bringing people yeah we had an outreach program in the band <laughs> uh, for horn players you checked in uh, with the hr the change of heart hr department yeah. uh decided there needed to be more uh, promotions or whatever yeah well, I okay think, well i mean i mean i'm Probably for me, I was probably gunning for like MC5 style horns. Right. You know, Michael was probably like, oh, we should get these two guys. Well, Michael, uh, Michael Armstrong was saying that uh, he felt alienated in Toronto at the time. And then you have Glenn saying, actually, like, I get emotional thinking about how galvanized. But are you talking about the experience of yeah. a band where, yeah, where, right. where, like, even, like, we were, you know, we were sort of isolationist too. Like, we were from the suburbs. We weren't like a downtown band. Uh -huh. I mean, we jammed at Jane and Bloor for, I think we were, were we still jamming at Jane and Bloor then? No, when, no, when, when we were I was at, at uh, Dog, Dog Faces. Faces. So yeah. we were still kind of, you know, Dufferin and DuPont. Dufferin and DuPont. <laughs> that was downtown. That was downtown. Yeah, was that was a downtown experience. Right. But jamming at Dog Faces, very downtown. So I, I just want to get a... Hot bicycles around <laughs> What is dog? What is that? What does that mean? A man. He was a, he was a, a man. Dog Face was a man. Dog Face was a man? Yeah. He played drums. Face with of a dog. 
Played drums yeah. with Neon Rome for a while, right? Yeah. And, oh. uh, wild Things. And, uh, and the yeah. Wild yeah. Things. Was he in Wild Things? Yep. Okay. Mike Nightmare from The Ugly. I didn't know he was in The Wild Things with Mike Nightmare. Yeah. So there's 12, 13 people at one point, anyway, making Smile as Change of Heart. How is that different from previous iterations of the band? That was obvious. I, I assume you're pointing this out. It's notable because it was an expansion. Well, before we would go into the studio and we would, you know, do bass and drums, guitar, like beds, and then do all the overdubs of vocals, and right. piano, or whatever else we wanted on the record. Right. And you know, take a while. And, and the core group was how many? Four. 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 Or four three. People. Yeah, four right. generally. Right. Yeah, I mean, smiles like completely live, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so this time, you know, it was it was we wanted to do everything at once because we, we had poor we had money. <laughs> we had like three thousand bucks. It was now or never. There's a gang vocal that was overdubbed, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, like the thing on Coma is, yeah. is. Well, it wasn't overdubbed. It was. Oh, it wasn't overdubbed? Recorded, sampled, and then played into the. Into that's, the that sounds so complicated. Why would you do that to me and yourselves? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my head around what you just said. No, so there. what, what was the intent there to, to try to do everything live? I mean, it's easier, it's cheaper. Well, we, yeah, it's the best quality sound for the least amount of money. That's it? Probably, yeah. Was there a spiritual, like a spirit no, reason for it? No, I think we had $2,000. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, literally, the budget was... for the record was 3000 and, you know. Yeah, we were, we were kind of at a place where we had been treading water for, for a while. We right. had a couple tours um, booked that, that didn't uh, follow through on because of injuries within the band. In and the band. A, bit, <laughs> a, bit, a bit of bad luck. And it was, and it really felt like it was like we have to do this now or never. Oh, I see. Really? Did it seem like it could be a swan song, so to speak? Like if we don't do this, if we don't I, do this now, if, yeah. If we waited another, you know, if we waited much longer, who knows? You know, but there was definitely a a, a sense of immediacy. Hmm. There's also the Zen Arcade, like that's the recorded live to two track. I think. I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, the record. Yeah. Oh, like, I see. Like, you, know, you were you were knocked yeah. out in four days. Basically. Right, and that that was a you identified with that efficiency or that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we love that record too. I mean, I know Robin, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you so there's a no, Michael, you liked that record. Too. You didn't like that record. You didn't, there's you, no keyboards on that record. <laughs> no, there's no keyboards on the record. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's okay record. No keyboards on Zen Arcade. So you you guys it's met in zero. Out most of, of you met on the same street or in high school. Uh, keyboards are unusual, Bernard. On I know. Level. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but I assume they're they're very pivotal to the change of heart sound. Yeah. So well, where did that time? Was it was there ever a conflict when you have a guy who's like trying to make a record like Zen Arcade? Uh, uh, <laughs> within us or between us and, and audiences maybe yeah. <laughs> audience yeah I don't yeah. think with us I think we enjoyed and like we relished that right um, yeah the fact that we could go from playing like the poppiest song to right. like something a little heavier and just irritate people you know yeah I, I, I remember like setting up before a show and just you know you could overhear oh shit they got keyboards <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna suck this punk band has keyboards basically but yeah oh dude we played Gilman Street with keyboards and like oh just having to carry the keyboards across the pit <laughs> Was like, oh man, it was the looks, brutal. the looks, brutal. You've mentioned it now, and you're laughing about it. But how faced are you? Were you at that time even by these kinds of external perceptions of what you did? Those were really funny. 
They're funny, right? Yeah, they're really funny. They don't they were bother funny you. Then too, yeah. Well, it's no, I mean too. sometimes you know I, I remember specifically opening for Sebado once and people making fun of us and like being very like okay, well fuck you and you you don't know anything about indie rock blah 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 or whatever. <laughs> right. Not that that matters now, but you know just a lot of back and forth. I do think in the history of Trade Your Heart, people have had trouble figuring it out. Like Glenn says, he heard a mixtape, and you guys stuck out. And I think you always stuck out. When I think of the band and seeing you guys, uh, okay, here's the thing. The first time I saw you was actually opening for the Tragically Hip. I was one of those people on that arena tour, and I was really blown away because I wasn't expecting this band. I didn't. I think I, at that point you had a video mm-hmm. circulating. I'm a kid, by the way. Compared to you guys, just keep this in mind. I'm not making apologies, but I'm a kid. I was watching TV. I was like, oh, this band seems really cool. But that record, Smile in particular, still stands as this landmark for a lot of people in for in indie rock circles. Like, this is a huge record. Do you have any, in revisiting it now, do you have any sense of why this is sticking out? Like, for people and for you, like, no idea yet? No. I think I do. I think it's because the songs are really good. I mean, I, th- I think it's a great collection of songs, and it's like uh, it's it's got a powerful theme. Like the themes of the record sort of keep revealing themselves as you listen to it. There's the whole environmental thing, yeah. and and there's the, the whole thing of, uh, kind of about community and and about all the shit happening, things happening in the world, and you know, looking for positivity. And and this, yeah, the songs are really strong. Like they still, a lot of these songs really move me still. Was was that a reflection of something going on in Toronto? This notion, because I I was listening to the record recently and I couldn't help but think of uh, love songs. I feel like uh, Ian, you often are you write these love songs, these songs about love, and mm-hmm. and not like in a typical I love you and you don't love me kind Why of not? shit. I do. You do. Sometimes. You do sometimes. But this notion of kind of this humanistic thing that Glenn is referring to, it seems like really you're really steep in that notion of trying to galvanize people and and bring people up and I think when you I always find it funny because you have a slightly prickly demeanor to some people <laughs> but, but, your, but your songs are incredibly yes yeah, you're so nice sad. in your songs very nice always very kind to me and very sweet to me but I do think it's kind of funny because it's it, it can be difficult to put yourself out there as a, a guy who writes these kinds of like empowering songs mm-hmm. I think our generation or our group whatever was brainwashed by hippies I like to use that it's, it just got this you know love is all you need kind of background and it is kind of I don't know at the end you know it is kind of true and yeah can't you, deny it is know. there a connection between the change of heart record smile and the beach boys record smile well yeah, oh, yeah there's millions yeah it, was it a direct illusion? Oh yeah, there's a yeah, there's like there's there's a Brian Wilson. Well, I shouldn't even be saying this, but there's a Brian Wilson sample on the record. Right, right. Um, what was it about that record? That that's well, just because it was unfinished, and we had this, we had this, because uh, we used to shit talk in the van a lot. Like that was one thing that we were really good at. Like we just like talk <laughs> about stuff and make stuff. So up. So you're not nice. I, I was saying <laughs> no, no shit talk like in a like good way. But we had like we, we basically had like a you know like a play going about. David Crosby uh, kind of Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right? Rob, can you help me out here? Like it was, was like it was we were talking about David Crosby. It was initially it was about David Crosby's like ghost and like the ghost of the '60s and like what was happening to that whole ideal, right? You know, and that smile represented that to us maybe a little. bit. And that's around the time David Crosby's face is rotting off from yeah, exactly. drugs <laughs> yeah. and shit like that. So I mean, it's and just like you the know, whole Manson Wilson thing and like the Beach Boys, like the you know the light and the dark of the Manson Beach Boys thing and. Um, yeah, just all that stuff. And like having the Moby Grape cover, like a you know, yeah song from that. So there's a period. lot of there's a lot of '60s hippie stuff going on in this. Seems really the jaded early '90s. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was kind of yeah. trying to stomp it, but it's not quite working. And it, it's like the stain on you; you can't get it off. Is there something about the musical freedom of that era that resonated with you guys? Uh, it's just so inventive, and I mean, I don't, this kind of notion of like anything can. Like, Go people just, you know, blew the doors open about what happened, and now it seems, to me, a little bit like you just keep regurgitating the same things. You don't really hear too much that's really... I shouldn't say, I don't really listen to that much music, but <laughs> that amazing, or that really, like, you changes your life on the radio, or, you know, where people used to listen to stuff, I guess, because I'm an old person. So. Yeah, see, I can do this, too, where I'm like, I can't, I don't like anything sometimes. I say that, and then I feel like, am I just old? But maybe I'm not. Maybe some of the stuff isn't very good anymore. Isn't that possible? It doesn't just necessarily oh, mean we're old. There's lots of amazing bands. Yeah. There's always no, amazing stuff. Every generation bands. worries that their music, like, I, everything's like, well, music was so much better when I was a kid. Like, every single generation says yeah. that. I have, you know, that I've seen. And, and I just, I think there's always good music and you just have to look for it. And the stuff that's always the most visible and obvious is usually the, very often the least rewarding music yeah. that's out there. Yeah. That was the case. You know, in the 70s, I'd listen to Captain and Tennille every day. Now everybody talks to me about how amazing music was in the 70s. It's like, well, you know, I remember <laughs> Captain and Tennille, Bay City Rollers. Like, you know, that was what you heard everywhere. Yeah. What you heard everywhere was not good. Right. You know, and what you hear everywhere now is also not good. And that's just the way. And 20 years from now, that's you're going to walk into shoppers, you're going to hear some shit music. Is it because <laughs> is it because we need distance maybe to appreciate yeah, maybe. things more? And I, I, yeah, maybe. Well, and also you've always had to dig for yeah good you, music. You have to dig yeah. for good music. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's I think that's there's a glut, and you got to dig yeah. for the to, the good stuff. Do you remember? Do you have any recollection of how Smile was received when it came out? Pretty good. I, mean, I think we get generally good really reviews and stuff. Like bad Fun review in your flesh. 
Oh yeah, maybe. really, really yeah. bad. Really bad. It was yeah. awesome. What oh, you like? You like? <laughs> it was lovely. <laughs> Your flesh was a Detroit magazine, right? Uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, yeah. right? So they were what, pretty. What was the complaint? Oh, white boy funk. Uh, oh, I remember funk. that one. Yeah, just all sorts of stuff like that. Uh. Is it because of the? Is that because of you? Yeah, yeah it's your yeah. fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we figured it out. It's Glenn's fault. Yeah, I'm pretty. <laughs> what I, I concur with that. What, what did no. you do? Just the beats? I'm white, and I was trying to be funky. <laughs> <laughs> there was something going on in that era. Like Mike, you you played in King Cup Steely as well. Also, white boy funk, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Uh, no, there was something happening in that era where. Punk and well, there was also the cross pollination again, you know. Like, yeah. yeah, like I remember one of my favorite shows we ever played was New Kingdom, Us, and Jawbox. Where was that? At Lee's. Oh, wow, yeah, like what the hell? The Bills were just kind of yeah. all over us playing with the Urban Dance Squad. You know? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so do you miss that? Or do, you, or do you, isn't it more open now? I feel like we it that was really revolutionary on some level to have these kind of eclectic bills, and now I I can't tell if it's better or worse now. I I'm think used it's to more. I think it's more. Everybody's just goes to see their own spiel, you know. Yeah, but I mean, there, there are things like like the Long Winter series that I yeah, put on, that's like for where sure. they're consciously it seems like trying to put different things together. Yeah, um, and not just music, right? Music and the arts. Yeah, which is pretty cool. But yeah, outside of that, I don't, I don't really know of anything else. I guess there's the Luminato does some stuff like that too. Yeah, I know. I just wondered if if you felt like things were again you're probably on some level even if you're only doing it subconsciously thinking back to this era right but i also gather that you're probably not thinking about it too much you're just focused on the task at hand right well we you know we gotta i think we do want to sort of put it through our sort of current lens and we've all matured as players and that sort of thing so we don't want to just try and make it sound exactly like the night like you know there's things i liked about my playing on that record there's things that I don't want to do at all you know so yeah. I think it's 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 bound to uh, change and evolve a bit one thing I do think is interesting about this record is that there's a lot of jamming and stuff and it was right like I think after that like or just right it came out about the same time that Nirvana got huge yeah. and then and then the whole aesthetic of everything changed everybody came sort of united in like okay three three and a half minute songs four chords and with the four chords big muff pedals long hair you know quiet versus loud choruses like everything sort of became more homogenized and jamming was kind of like out hmm. and i think that's and so i think it's it's a neat when you're asking how does it relate to the 60s it has a bit of that 60s vibe because we get to stretch out and and jam and it's that's actually really fun playing these songs now because i'm like I never do this now. You never do a ten-minute jam in the middle of a song. Right. You know. So you're doing them again? You're or you're doing new jams? They're fresh jams. Well, fresh, fresh jams to these jams. old songs. Yeah. Fresh, fresh jams, 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 old songs. Fresh jams, old songs. Yes. Yes. that's the motto for this. Thing. Yes. There's definitely something going on. Like I've only been to a few practices so far, but there's something. Slacker. Different. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm kidding. Yeah, but yeah, there's a definitely like a different, a similar chemistry with a slight twist. Like I don't know what it is exactly, but. I, it's a little more intense, maybe in times like with the jamming thing Glenn's talking about. Oh, oh yeah. But in a good way, like it's really got this. I don't even know how to explain it. It's I will. I, I don't know if you've had this experience of seeing like a reconstituted band, like a band that maybe played when they were in their twenties or thirties, and then just stop and they come back maybe twenty years later. In every case, the band seems better to me. Yeah, they're usually better. Yeah. Oh, I've seen so many worse. 
Yeah. Right, oh, yes. Well, I've seen a Who's lot of good ones. We've seen a lot. Oh, I don't. I don't oh, come on, give us no one. Way, no, way. no, he's not. He's not <laughs> a mean. He's not <laughs> a mean person. He's a very kind. Yeah, that's right. He's <laughs> nice <laughs> person. <laughs> I, what, if I will follow my argument through, I do think that there's a certain level of experience that, as a musician, where you just, I don't know, you maybe you play better the more. Right. It's like anything, I suppose, where the more you do it, the better you get. I have seen bands where the bass player hasn't. He just put down his bass when the band broke up in 94 and then they're right. back and it's incredible. Are any of you surprised by what people are bringing to the thing? I think you're kind of speaking to that, Mike. Yeah. That there's an intensity. A different intensity, yeah. yeah. Something that's that's definitely a new. I mean, it's it's all the songs are all so familiar and, and great sounding. Yeah. But there's definitely a different layer in there somewhere. Does anyone sure disagree with Mike? Is it worse? Is it somehow a worse <laughs> experience? <laughs> No, I think it's true. Yeah, I, I mean, after we, after we refigured the songs out, it sounds better. Yes, it definitely I sounds think. better. I think so. Yeah. 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 Like, you I, know, we're still getting there. I think me and Ian have both produced so many records and recordings since then. We're like, again, we've learned so much since then. Yeah. It's hard not to incorporate that and make it better. I think. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Can you each just briefly? Can do you have a fond memory or weird memory of making this record? Is there something that sticks out for anyone? Because you did it at uh, where you mostly did a reaction. Yeah, reaction. Some uh, Dale did it, right? Dale recorded it. Dale Martin. No, Michael. Oh, Michael, oh, Michael did it. Dale did some. Dale did some incidentals. Incidentals, sorry. At his place, yeah. 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 Was Who there? Did a, I didn't know that. The did scream before uh, uh, erosion. Right. Oh, okay. It, it sounded like something Dale would do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I hate to do this uh, memory jog thing, but you know we're talking about a record that came out 25 years ago. Obviously, it's been influential for lots of people. Uh, you guys felt the need to put it out again. There must be a story or something <laughs> that sticks out for each of you. Well, Michael had like, the worst toothache yeah. of all time than just well, he, like crushing Tylenols. Yeah, and no, that was Mike Voivoda, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And making remember. the record. He had a toothache? Oh, like an abscess. Wicked, an oh, abscess, oh, no. Yeah, he was yeah really an abscess high. too. Yeah, he was really oh, high. Like, it sounds yeah. like he might have been high. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So what did that? <laughs> did that, did that subtle burn. <laughs> funny thing. Funny thing. Didn't, 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 why not have like my memory two okay. stuff too when we worked oh, with him two years later? My memory well, is just seeing like yeah, I think, just yeah, this yeah. room was full it? of people like playing like yeah. playing a song and like everyone's like kind of locked into this. It's like wow, this is like some kind of weird magic, you know? Yeah. It's just like this. Like, everyone like. Bernard's got someone assisting him, you know, and even in the, the sound room, you got other people moving faders, and I was like, it was just this whole like, the little industry. Yeah, like it was a live mix, right? Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. There was no automation. All this stuff like, going on. And it was just no like, protos, no automation. It's like, wow. <laughs> I just want to say that's the main thing I kind of remember is the intensity of that yeah. communal effort. It's a un it was a unique um, recording situation I, that I've never been in before since where that many people are all trying to make it happen all together. Because you're on a budget, you're on a deadline. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. And it was also just really cool, like super cool way. Yeah. It's not, nobody makes records like that anymore because it's like not. They didn't even then. <laughs> well, yeah, they didn't even then, yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's a pain in the ass in a lot of ways. But, and it, you know, it's, but, but it, it, it's an amazing way to make a record. Yeah. You know, it's it, really it, fun. And it's risky because it's, it's not, 
I guess now you can go back and clean it all up on a computer, but then, like, that was it. It was done. But there's, yeah, there's something right. liberating about that, too, isn't there? Like, it's just, that's what it is. Like, yeah, you can't, totally. can't do anything to it. That That's what it was li- like. No, it was it's it's liberating because you have to give up control, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it yeah. is. You have no control. Like, and, and in a sense, that's kind of what makes it special, I think, because it, it really is a document of that time, like, that specific four, four days. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. even, you know, when we started playing the live, the songs live, I remember, I'd, like, I would change... I changed little parts between the recording and just because like uh, those songs, a lot of them were freshly written like a couple weeks before and everything was so fresh. Songs evolve. Yeah. So it really is a snapshot of a particular time. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You you can't get like overdubbing a record, I don't think. When you finished making the record, because you've got uh, this big show you're playing uh, in, in Toronto with pretty much everyone involved in the... Original recording? We're getting there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you initially started staging it, playing it live, did you have everyone play, smile? Yeah, actually, well, yeah, pretty much everyone who's playing this show played the record release parties and the Montreal show. But after that, you pared down. And yes, we were back. That was really it was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> we, had, we had a couple of extra singers for a while, too. Yeah. Right. There. Right. So what That's happens? So you're, you're doing this show and the record's coming out. What happens next? With Change of Heart, with we do smile? a big show with everybody, and then we do a bunch of shows without everybody. Yeah. Are you going to do more shows? Yeah, we're going to do yeah. six other shows with just the, yeah. the four of us. You are sorry, Mike. You can't cool, do it, man. Mike. Why can't you do can't it? Do it man. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. That's sad. Well, that's great. I didn't know that. And then does it mean? You know, I was thinking about this 25 years ago for this record. 20 years ago this fall, Change of Heart stopped. Did you know mm-hmm. that? Do you remember this? Because I remember this myself. It means something to me because uh, just before they stopped, and you guys weren't all in this configuration, I guess, but uh, Change of Heart did a three-night stint at the University of Guelph at the Brass Taps. Oh, yeah. For the Steel Teeth record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you got heckled, and it was weird. And But I was there. I went to all three nights, and... Uh, that was 20 years ago this fall, and that's the first interview I ever did in my life. Oh, wow. Was with Ian. <laughs> and uh, so it means something. I mean, for better or for worse, I'm still fucking doing it. He <laughs> <laughs> would just break uh, up. It's kind, of <laughs> it's kind of special to me. Like So this this band and, and Ian and, and this, uh, this thing means a, a lot to me. So I'm glad to hear that it's uh, still going. And, you know, I say this with love. With the love that you inspire me <laughs> to convey into the world with your artistic expression. So so that's great. Do you think this could keep going? Like, you're a busy guy. You're all busy people. Oh, do you want to keep no. it going? No. <laughs> <laughs> he just says, no. Yeah, he a, says, no, I guess that's It's it. a finite thing. Well, I don't know. It could happen, right? I don't know. Yeah, we could play some fairs. <laughs> Probably best to come see it while you can. Okay. Is there a a song from Smile that we can go out on here? I'm hoping one of you can pick one. Probably. There you've gone. (laughs) Why that one? To go out on. Oh, I see. There you've gone. That makes sense. Not there you go. There you go, or there you've gone. Okay. And for more information about the the band and and the the reissue, I guess labelobscura.com. Yeah. Is there anything else you got to no, change? That, no, that's it. Because uh, if you go to change, if you look up Change Your Heart on the internet, you got weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the other band. There, oh know. yeah, there's another there's band. A, well, there's a couple now. Actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
It was a good We're day. We're the real one, though. You're the Just real one. the record, because, <laughs> you know. We're here first. Well, pick up Smile, and uh, let's go out, and there you've gone, and uh, change our Well, heart. and we're playing July 22nd at the oh, Horseshoe oh, yeah. with Science Ferric and B.A. Johnson. and That's right. The Horseshoe. Yep. And July 22nd, and anything else? Uh, Edmonton on October 7th. Are you really? Yeah. Edmonton? You're going to do, like, Canadian dates? This is great. Except without Mike. Yeah, we have a few. Yeah. You're busy tuning your congas? Yes. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh. Well, thank you so much for uh, the time. Uh, you, I know you got to practice. You. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate this. Best of luck with everything. Cheers. Thanks a lot. He was in the Swiss hospital. He felt totally misunderstood. And I was speaking French and he talked to me. And he was walking around with his dress, totally depressed with his arm bandaged and said, I'm doing fucking hell. I'm a businessman. And I didn't come in. They didn't understand me. They totally misunderstood it. You know, this is a whole mistake here. This is a whole fucking mistake. But I can't explain it. They don't want to listen to me. You know? Well, well, you can't do this. You can't help me fucking hell. But if I could explain it, you know, I'm here since three months. And I have a big plan, and I was doing my business, and I have my company and everything. But fucking hell, they didn't want to let me out. They don't even want to let me telephone to my wife. And fucking hell, these bastards, these fascists are keeping me here. And I want to talk to my lawyer, and they didn't allow me. I'm totally prisoner here. You're the first guy I meet here who speaks French. What shall I do? Fucking hell, they don't help me. They give me medicaments every day. I'm totally broke. I can't even move anymore. I'm a sportive. Normally, I make about 10 kiloliters a day. I'm a swimmer. And they put me down with these medicaments. I don't tell you. You don't know what they're putting into my food. You know, every day they put something in my food. I was a good fucker, man. I can't fuck anymore. I don't understand. I don't get horny. They put something in my food. I have no chance here. So, listen. I know you're a smart guy. You're getting that soon. Um, you absolutely have to contact this person. Earth speaks in many voices. Listen. Here you go, standing alone. Do you find there's no one home? And if I could tell you, and if I could find... I wouldn't know all the reasons why I'd reach out to kiss But I rid your breast Your jealous thought You think I'd drop masks over you That you could be any one of a crowd Truth is I put a crown much more than Words over your head I wanna be the wind and draw the day from your hair. There you go, standing alone. Do you find there's no one home? And if I could tell you, if I could find.
From their 1992 album Smile, that was Change of Heart with a song called There You Go. And right before that, you heard a song called There You've Gone. A little bit of confusion. You could hear it there as I was trying to determine what songs we might go out on. And I went with both. What the hell? What are they going to do? Come after me? I don't think so. I don't think so. But you never know. Thank you, Ian Blurton and Change of Heart being on this show that uh, record means a lot to me that band means a lot to me and you know as i said they're very sentimental for me literally the first person i ever interviewed in my life ian blurden so great to finally have him on this uh on this show i've talked to him many many times over the years for various things but it's great to have him on this show speaking of which this is the 334th episode of Creative Control, and uh, it's a podcast available on most podcast platforms. iTunes, Audioboom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast. It's everywhere. It's also on my website, vishkana.com, where you can learn more info about me and the show and other things I do. You can like Creative Control with Vishkana on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, at vishcreative. I'm at vishkana. And a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or if you're in the Kitchener-Waterloo region on your radio at 93.3 FM. You can also visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Control, to make a flexible monthly donation to the program to keep the podcast going. And uh, if you do so, I'll send you a t-shirt. I have t-shirts uh, at my house. One of them has my face on it. The other one has the name of the show in pizza lettering. Pizza. I like pizza. So yeah, patreon.com slash creative control. This episode would not be possible without our sponsors. Speaking of pizza, Pizza Trocadero, whom you can call for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca, the best pizza in the city. Also, locally, The Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, and movie theater located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade, certified organic coffee. For more information about them and their locations, visit planetbeancoffee.com. And Granddad's Donuts, located at 574 James Street North in Hamilton, Ontario. The best donuts anywhere that I've had. Just great donuts. Visit granddads.ca for more info. That's another episode of this program. Thanks for listening, and uh, please continue to do so. And if you're going on all those podcast platforms, subscribe to the show, download episodes, uh, rate the show, review the show, and tell your friends about the show. It would be uh, most appreciated. Thank you very much again, and I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.